You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey. Hit it up the park. Hit it up the park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem. Anthem. To the bottom of the night. I'm in. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. Hey, go. Slendy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 444 of the Talking for Hours podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is August 13th, 2023, and the San Diego Padres are digging themselves more of a hole. Missed opportunities. They lose two out of three to the Arizona Diamondbacks in this series. They are one and five in their last six games. They just finished a one and four road trip. Those that are watching here on YouTube, hopefully you notice a little bit of a difference here. My mic is back because I can use it now and upgraded camera. So hopefully the YouTube audience, they are happier with me. Hopefully you can hear me good and I'll check in the comments here in a moment. But hopefully that's better. Now, I don't know if this is going to be the case every episode from here on out because this is not technically my camera. Shout out to my mom for allowing me to use this camera. Um, but I should have the mic from now on and be able to use it because before this, I either had to opt for the mic or I had to go for the internet to have better internet. And so I went with the better internet. Um, so hopefully things are sounding good here. 
Uh, again, Talking Friars episode 444. Reminder, you can use my code TALKINGFRIARS, $20 off your order on SeatGeek. You can click the link in the description for some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave, Breaking Tea. Click that link there, and I'll tell you more about Underdog Fantasy and Gaglione Bros in a little bit. But yeah, for sure, this was a disappointing series. Just want to make sure in the chat, can someone in the chat say that you can hear me? Because I just want to make sure that it's good before I go on here. Can you hear me? Sorry for the podcast audience. <laughs> you can skip forward in this. Okay, Steven says yes. Thank you. All right, we can move on now. Okay, good. All right, so I'm just seeing in the chat here, Eric says, son of a gun. Sam says, season's over. Charlie says, Ben, please rip into this team. You can't sugarcoat it anymore. Uh, I don't think I was really sugarcoating it. I'm, look, I'm, I'm one of the more optimistic fans, but I think I've said that this team doesn't have it. I don't think this team's going all the way, and I doubt that this team's going to be a postseason team, and I still have that opinion, obviously, after this road trip. You lose both games against the Seattle Mariners. You have... Guys in the clubhouse admitting that they're quitting during games in that Mariner series. And then you have opportunities to win this series today, and you don't do it. You score 10 runs in the first game of the series, then you do nothing in the second game. And then today, great, offense scores, what, three runs in the first inning, then doesn't do much after that. And you have a lead, give up the lead, and then you end up losing the game to a team that's ahead of you in the wild card standings. So you're losing ground. You didn't take advantage of the opportunity to gain ground there. And at the same time, this team that you just faced, they lost nine games, nine games in a row, right? Or was it eight games entering this or nine games in a row? I think it was nine games in a row entering this series and you lose the series to them. Now add this series onto the Kansas City Royals, the Washington Nationals, the Cincinnati Reds, that terrible series against the San Francisco Giants. I think they lost three out of four to getting embarrassed to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, the extra innings, winless and in extra innings, the terrible numbers with runners in scoring position for the first, more than the first half of the season. Take all those signs and tell me that this team's going to go win it all. Tell me this team that, you know, deserves to go be a postseason team. They don't. Based on the way they're playing, based on the sample size that we have seen, they don't deserve it. They've had plenty of opportunities to get back in this thing. And yes, they're technically still in it because you look at the standings and right now I believe the Padres sit five and a half games back. But the Chicago Cubs, listen to this stat here. This was from Kevin Acey's newsletter. This stat is, this sums up how good the Padres have to play the rest of the way. This was entering Sunday, the series finale. The Padres would have to go 29 and 16 the rest of the way if the Cubs went 23 and 22. So if Cubs only played one game over 500, the Padres would have to win 29 of their last whatever amount of games that is. Last 45 games, I think. 29 out of them. 29 of their last 45, they will have to win to go make the postseason and get over the Cubs. And that's assuming that 
the Cubs, they're not the team that you have to go beat. Maybe there's another team that gets hotter and they end up passing the Cubs, and then you have to play even better baseball than that. But yeah, it's going to be a really, really tough stretch of games here. Really just a tough ask for this Padres team. But can't can't feel sorry for them. Feel sorry for us Padres fans, but can't feel sorry for them because they're the ones that put themselves in this spot. All right? It's not like they started the season in a big hole like this. No. They started the season with these huge expectations and they haven't been able to meet them. Freaking sucks. It's disappointing. And I've said it sucks so many times this season and hoping that things will change and they'll be able to win this series against Arizona. And then you'll see what happens in the Baltimore series. And then maybe you make up ground against Miami and Arizona. Just start playing better baseball. And they've had opportunities to add a lead and just weren't able to close the job. And now you're one in five in your last six games, one in four road trip. And it's not like you have, you get to go play the Kansas city Royals. Now, would that series end up going well for the Padres? Maybe not, based on how the series against the Royals went earlier this season. But you're not playing a bad team now. You get to go play the best team in the American League, the Baltimore Orioles, now for the next three games. And the Baltimore Orioles, get this, they just got back Cedric Mullins. So they got even better than they already are. Mullins was on the IL for a while. So. Yeah, it's going to be tough. And they need to have a good homestand. It's a long, it's 10 games, 10 days, 10 games. What do they need to go on this homestand? Seven and three? Again, based on that number, those stats that I read from Kevin AC earlier today, if the Cubs play one game over 500 baseball, the Padres, well, now there's one less game. So they would have to go, well, the Cubs lost today as well. What it would be 29 and 15 now, not 29 and 16, 29 and 15 because they lost today. I think that's how the math would work out. Really tough stretch that's gonna have to happen here. Padres are gonna have to play really, really great baseball from here on out. Check out Gaglione Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so I want to go over these three games in this series. I will definitely get to the chat. If you want to join the show, like always, I give you the opportunity to do so. You can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, you can use that Super Chat button. It makes it very easy for me to see your comment, your question, and it supports the channel as well. So thank you for anyone that's generous enough to do that. But yeah, today we'll, we'll work our way back. We'll start today and then Saturday and then Friday. Today, Padres, they get off to a really good start. 3 nothing lead. Kim, Tatis, Manny, Crony, Gary, they all get hits in that first inning. It was like, all right, you know, this, this felt like a, a must-win game going in in terms of the urgency. Like, it was needed. Manny was saying that post-game last night. Good start. Then one runs allowed, 3-1. It's 3-1 going into the bottom of the fifth. And Gary Sanchez makes a heck of a play. Ball in the dirt. He blocks it, throws out the runner at second base. And Geraldo Perdomo hits a home run, and he was the next batter. And that would have been a tie game right there if Sanchez didn't throw that runner out. I thought that was going to be a huge play in the game. 
But then obviously the D-backs, after it was a 4-2 lead, Crony added some insurance. They end up tying it up. Nick Martinez, who pitched good the previous inning, I think he had a walk to kick off that inning and then gives up the home run. Hanging changeup, I think is what the pitch was. And it feels like that's what a lot of Nick Martinez's home runs this year have been. Hanging pitches, beach balls, and just seems like he has not been the same as he was in 2022, which stinks. But he, he, he's kind of in a middle area, if it makes sense. Like, he's not a starting pitcher, but I think he's trying to be built up so he can start if Rich Hill continues to not pitch great. And if they don't want Pedro Avila starting a bunch of games, I think he wants to be in position to do that. Or if Waka comes back, he gets hurt. I think Martinez wants to be in position to start games. But then also, he's not in the spot where it's like, yeah, you give us one inning and there you go. He's in the middle there. Uh, but at the end of the day, the results were what mattered most. And he didn't hold the lead, didn't do his job today. And Robert Suarez comes in. And I believe he got the last outs there in the seventh inning. Tatis makes that catch in the right field corner. I thought that ball was gone. Just based right off the bat, I thought it was headed out over the right field wall there. Um, but he comes eighth inning. D-backs, they get the go-ahead run there. 5-4, end up winning that game there. And like I said in my post-game reaction, they did the little thing right. Single to right, and I believe it was Christian Walker, first to third. They run on Nando. Maybe it's not the smartest thing to do, but they took that risk. And it worked out because he's safe at third base. And there was a sack fly, scored a run. And I was hoping, like I said in my post-game reaction as well, I was hoping that that Trent Grisham catch, him getting to that ball on the sack fly, was going to be a big thing for the Padres. And unfortunately, the offense didn't do anything in that ninth inning. Didn't score any runs. They scored one run after that first inning in that game. And I'm seeing a better version of Jake Cronenworth for sure going the other way with that ball. But again, like the results are what matters most here. And the results, it's a loss, right? You could take some positives from it, especially at the beginning of the game. But I'm not going to expect Padres fans to be happy about this. And of course, you shouldn't be happy about this. The Padres are headed to no postseason berth. If they continue playing like this, definitely no postseason berth. Even if they play a little bit better than how they're playing, no postseason berth probably. As I said, they're going to have to play really good baseball. They're going to have to win 15 more games than they lose, I think, the rest of the way. Can they do that? They have not been able to do that, I think, since the beginning of last season. In any like 45 game, around 45 game stretch, they haven't been able to do that. And this year's team obviously has. Hasn't won four games in a row all year. So why should we expect them to do that? I don't. I don't think this team's going to be a postseason team. Will they get over 500? Maybe. I'm hoping so I can get 50 bucks from Matt, one of the listeners and viewers of this show. Uh, and that could be, maybe that makes me a little happy. But at the end of the day, I was expecting that to be a slam dunk bet to win that. Because I believed in the team. The talent on the team, it's like, yeah, of course, no doubt they'll get over 500. They can't get one game over 500 the rest of the year. They they were close, and then they've gone one and five in their last six games. And now the Padres currently sit 
at six games under 500, 56 and 62, fourth place in the NOS. Forget about the NOS, obviously. We forgot about that two months ago. Uh, and the D-backs, they're 59 and 59, and they end up winning this series, gain a little bit of ground on the Padres, and they gained some ground on the Cubs today because the Cubs lost. And the Marlins, I thought they were going to lose, but then the New York Yankees choked a, I think, four-run lead in the ninth inning. So, yeah, they, the Yankees are they're in trouble. But this is a Padres show, obviously. But, yeah, disappointing loss today. And yesterday it was disappointing as well just because the offense didn't do anything. But and I know some fans got mad at me for being okay with the loss yesterday. But going in, I thought that, you know, obviously I don't want them to ever lose a game. But going into the series, Zach Gallon, Rich Hill, you see that matchup and it's like, okay, well, we better win the, the other two games in this series. And they obviously didn't. They won the first game and they lost today. So obviously, yeah, it's not good enough. But if they were going to win the other two games in the series, Saturday losing, I was like, okay, is that the end of the world? Because they would take two out of three. They would gain some ground on the D-backs. And it's Rich Hill on the mound against Zach Allen. Like, I just didn't have high expectations going into that game. Now, you want them to score a run. They weren't able to do that, uh, which was disappointing. And obviously, because they lost this series, makes Saturday's loss even more disappointing um you know the lineup that was the difference between friday's game and saturday's game the top five in the lineup you look at the top five in friday night's game which it's it's one of these shows again where i'm sitting here at the end of the series and it's like well i don't really feel like talking about the great win on friday very much because of what happened in the last two games of the series you know but friday Top of the lineup does really well. Bogarts, Kim, Tatis, Manny, Soto combined for 12 hits, eight runs driven in, eight runs scored. But then on Saturday, five hits compared to 12, no runs driven in compared to eight, and no runs scored compared to eight runs scored. So the, again, the top of the lineup, I know it takes everyone, but the top of the lineup is going to have to come up big the rest of the way. Because you can't rely on the pitching to be amazing the rest of the time, right? Because you know there's going to be a couple guys each time through the rotation that probably aren't going to pitch amazing. We'll see what happens with Waka when he returns on Tuesday against the Orioles. We'll see what happens. Is Rich Hill going to continue to start games, or is it going to be Pedro Abila, Nick Martinez? What's going to happen there? We'll see there. The offense is definitely going to have to step up, and that they didn't really do on Saturday Obviously, results-wise, they definitely didn't do. Scored zero runs. You know, top of the first, first and third, two outs. Bogart struck out. Opportunity wasted there. And top of the fourth, first and third, two outs. Campy ends up grounding out. Wasted opportunity there. The bright spot, and I know I got some heat on that in social media. Some people didn't like that I was bringing up a bright spot in the Padres getting shut out. But I try to stay as optimistic as I can about this Padres team. Uh, and for those that think that I don't get on this team enough. I mean, I just did get on the team. So maybe they don't listen or watch the show. Um, but Pedro Avila, 15 and a third innings since being called up in late July. In those 15 and third innings, just two earned runs allowed, 19 punch outs. Should he be starting over Rich Hill? If you think that, I am not going to say that you're wrong. Uh, because Rich Hill 
himself is admitting that his performances are crap. He said that after the Dodger outing, and he was really, really critical of himself after yesterday's outing as well. So it's like he himself is thinking, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be starting these games because I'm not giving the Padres length. I'm giving up too many runs, and I don't have the velocity to blow things, blow pitches by guys. I have to be perfect with my location, and I'm not that right now. So he, he's a competitor. He's always going to want the ball. But he's definitely honest with the media after games, and he does not give himself any room for error, any room, any, any slack. He's not giving himself a leash. He's like, yeah, I suck, crappy performance, terrible, and I'm going to get back at it tomorrow and try to be better. And I like that from him. I don't want him to sit there knowing what's at stake. I don't want him to sit there and be like, yeah, it's all right bounce back the next time you know a couple things didn't go my way whatever he's not doing that so i applaud him for that but at the end of the day the comments after games is not what wins you games your performance on the field is what wins or loses games and right now rich hill is helping the padres lose games and he's not helping the padres win games so based on results pedro avila like the velocities there and results wise he is just pitching better than Rich Hill. So should Rich Hill be starting over Pedro Avila results-wise? The answer is no to that. Now, the Padres, they acquired Rich Hill to be in the rotation a little bit. So I still think that they're going to give Rich Hill at least another start. But you can't afford to just keep running him out there. If this is going to continue to be the same results, you're going to get the same results. You're putting yourself in a hole. If you continue to lose all these Rich Hill outings, what benefit is that giving to you? You're not the Baltimore Orioles where you have a comfortable playoff spot. You're not the Atlanta Braves where same situation, right? Maybe even better situation because it's the National League. The National League worse than the American League. You're not in that spot where you can afford to just lose all the Rich Hill outings. You got to probably win some of those outings. So yeah, Rich Hill, I'm going to be very curious to see how many more outings he has, how many more starts, I should say. How many more starts he has in a San Diego Padres uniform? Okay. Friday night, Padres win 10-5, and that was great. Like, again, top of the lineup, performed really well. Xander Bogarts, first RBI since July. Really good night. But, again, I don't feel like talking about that very much because what happened after that? They get shut out the second game of the series, and then they choke this game. So it's like, well, okay, I'm glad they didn't get swept, but I'm not going to sit here and, you know, be super happy about Friday night because it's not like they did it again, right? They didn't repeat it. Today, it looked like they might have been able to go repeat it in the first inning because they got out to that early lead and it was like, oh, this is looking pretty good. But obviously, we know what happened after that. Um, who started on Friday? Snell. Snell, he had a 20-plus pitch first inning, so didn't know how long he was going to go after that, but he ended up rebounding, and that was his 14th outing in his last 15 starts, allowing two earned runs or less. He entered with a 108 ERA in his last 12 starts, so he did his job yet again. He was able to go six innings in this outing, 
And when Blake Snell's on the mound, especially when he's on the mound, it needs to be win day. They cannot lose Blake Snell outings the rest of the way. That's what it feels like. Again, they have to win like 15 more games than they lose, and the Cubs have to not play good baseball the rest of the way for the Padres to get a postseason spot over the Cubs. Just looking at math, you got to win those Blake Snell starts because it's definitely not a guarantee you win the starts where the five starters on the mound, and you might have another starter in the rotation that's not pitching great and put you in a hole, and you don't win that game. So every five games, you got to play better than three and two the rest of the way, right? So hopefully that doesn't happen every time through the rotation. But if Blake pitches well, he does his job, he keeps you in games, you got to go win those games. And the Padres were able to do that on Friday, but they weren't able to get wins, obviously, on Saturday and Sunday. And so we're sitting here saying that, yeah, it doesn't look good. It's going to be a very uphill climb for the Padres to be a postseason, get that postseason berth. And I just don't see it happening right now. All right, let's go to the chat here. Um, Chris says, Ben, will you do a poll? Will the Padres finish the season above 500? How do I do that? I don't know how I do a poll, so I will have to... I think I'm going to have to look that up. But put it in the chat. You can put it in the chat. I'll ask that question, Chris. Yeah. Will the Padres finish the season above 500? Do you think they will finish above 500? My answer to that, let's see, there's six games under right now. I'll say yes because I want to be optimistic, but that's not going to be good enough, I don't think, to get a postseason spot. So I'll say yes, but I don't see them making the postseason. That'll be my answer to that, Chris. Steven says, yep, okay. Just, um, I'm going through, not the postseason, or the, the over 500 question, but I'm going through the chat back when I was asking you guys if you could see me, if the audio is good, if the visual's good. Hopefully the visual's much better. Thank you for those that stuck in there with me uh, during that, you know, those months where, because when I'm not having this camera, just, just so you know, the laptop is my camera. So that's why you could probably see a difference. And it's not that great when it's on the laptop. But I love doing this. So if I don't get the camera every time, it's not the end of the world. Evan with the super chat. Thank you so much. Anyone else that wants to get to the front of the line for me to share their comment or their question on the show, you can use that super chat button just like Evan did here. Thank you so much, Evan. For sure, fire preller chance this homestand, right? I don't know. Do Padres fans, do we do that? Now, should we? I think that's a different question, but will they? I think that's, I, I think you'll hear boos if they continue to play bad. And if results-wise things don't go their way, sure, you're going to hear boos. But Fire Preller, like fans yelling, Fire Preller, dun, 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 like that. I don't know, but I don't know if you're going to hear that. Maybe some from a small group of fans, but from where where it's where it's like the the Orioles fans chants about their announcer, you know, anyone that saw that, 
I don't think it'll get that loud if there are fire, fire preller chants. But like I've said previously, if the Padres miss the postseason, I think you got to look at the common denominator in their lack of success long term here. And the common denominator is A.J. Preller. But is Peter Seidler going to make that move? I don't think so. J.D.'s third ass, Ben, is tomorrow's game a must win? Uh, it's what, it feels like it. It feels like almost every game. And I look, I, I see fans in pregame thoughts comments or postgame reaction comments or just other comments on the YouTube channel here. I try to look at everyone's comment. I may not respond, but I try to look at everyone's comments that they make. Um, and I'm seeing a lot of fans say every game's a must-win game, and technically it's not. But in our heads, yes, it feels like every game's a must-win game because of the hole that they have dug. And again, how great a baseball the Padres are going to have to play the rest of the way, the rest of this regular season. And there's just time ticking. Time is ticking off of the calendar. So when they lose and another day ticks off that calendar, they have to play even better baseball. There's less of a margin of error, right? If they want to go be a postseason team. Um, let's see here. TR760 says, wait, we're not eliminated from the wild card yet. No, we're we're not. Some fans might think that we are, like in their heads, they're saying that. But no, technically we're not. We're we're five and a half games back. I think. Let me double check that. Five and a half. Yeah, five and a half. There are three teams ahead. The Cubs, by the way, I was talking about, you know, the, the Cubs stat I mentioned a few times here. It's actually Miami who got that comeback win over the Yankees today. They are in first for that third wild card, if that makes sense. They have that third wild card right now. Cubs are a half game back of Miami. Miami's 62 and 57. Cincinnati, 61 and 58. They're a game back. Arizona, 59 and 59. Obviously, just won this series over the Padres. They're two and a half back. And then the Padres, 56 and 62. They are five and a half games back. Oh, but the run differential, it's great. Plus 57. It's the second best run differential among those third wild card contenders. Cubs are at plus 64. Everybody else, Miami, Cincinnati, Arizona, has negative run differentials, but a playoff spot is not given to the Padres based off of run differential. Again, it, it speaks to the lack of consistency. Or, I guess you could say, consistently inconsistent. I know some people have said that in the YouTube comments. Uh, Chad says, feels like a six-year-old can run a franchise better than what we are witnessing this season. I think you could say that in some cases. Maybe maybe a 10-year-old. Maybe that's more fair. But like, if, if a 10-year-old, a younger me, was the GM of this team, I would see Matt Carpenter on the team, and I would say, get him off the team. What is he doing on this team? Right? I would see Rich Hill not putting the Padres in position to go win games, and I'd say, why is he continuing to make starts? Why was Nelson Cruz and Matt Carpenter run out there so much? Right? Why did it take so long to change that? Why did it take so... I kind of know why it took so long to change the NOLA thing, just the lack of options. Um, and they wanted to have Gary comfortable at the big league level, and so they wanted NOLA to be at the big league level alongside Gary, 
so that Gary could learn from Nola, you know, learn the pitching staff quicker, all that. But yeah, there's some things where it's like, oh, be nice to have Runet Odor on the roster at times. Why are some guys being kept on the roster, not being sent down or not being DFA'd? Yeah. Why, when you need urgency, you need to win games. Why is G-Man Choi, Garrett Cooper, why are they continuing to be the DH when Gary Sanchez and Luis Camposano would probably be the better option to DH with the other guy catching? I know Brett Sullivan's not on the roster and they want to protect themselves in case the starter gets hurt. You can put the backup in. You don't lose the DH. But take that risk. It feels like I feel like sometimes they need to take that risk. The Padres, they need to win games. The urgency, it feels like in some of the moves that they have made or the lack of moves, the urgency is not there. The, the, the level of urgency, it's not as high as it should be. So I, I agree with that, Chad. Chad also said, I don't want to hear the word postseason one more time when talking about the 2023 Padres. Well, I'm sorry, Chad. You're going to keep hearing it, at least from me. Because until they're out, I'm going to keep talking about it because it's not like I can say, it's not like I can talk about, oh, what, what should the trade deadline approach be for this Padres team? It's past. So they're going for the postseason. They're trying to win games. At least that's, you know, what the players and the coaches are trying to do on the field. So we're going to keep talking about that because what else do you want us to talk about? You want me to talk about the direction of this team, like long term? I feel like that's more an off-season thing or if they get eliminated. And I have talked about it. Like, what do I think should happen? Should A.J. Preller survive if they miss a postseason spot? I don't, th I don't think that's the right thing to do, but I think that Peter Seidler is going to keep A.J. Preller. Should Bob Melvin be the scapegoat for this? I don't think so. He's made some mistakes. Like, the same two things can be true. He's made some mistakes, but who are you going to replace him with? He should be the scapegoat, and you're going to have Matt Williams come manage. You're going to have Mike Schilt manage. It's the same. It, it, those guys are helping Bob Melvin make decisions. So how is that really going to change things? And what manager is going to be attracted to this job that's someone that deserves to be managing this ball club with the veterans on this team and all that? You know, maybe a Jace Tingler and Andy Green would come in here, but that's because they're desperate for the job. There's only 30 jobs, and they're going to take it. They'll be okay with being micromanaged by AJ. Um, so, yeah, I mean, those are my thoughts long-term for this organization, what I think should happen. But for me right now, I'm going to continue talking about the Padres' postseason chances until they're gone. I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, Chad also says, in all caps, I cannot wait to hear all the drama about the toxic clubhouse once this season ends. Yeah, kind of deflecting on performance. Now, if there's like another athletic report by Ken Rosenthal and Dennis Lynn, is that report going to paint AJ in a bad light? Or is that, I don't think it would paint Bob in a bad light. Because from what we've heard is, the Padres players still definitely respect Bob Melvin. So I think it would be more on AJ again, just like the other, the athletic article was from, I think, 2021, right? 
after the whole Tingler thing. I think it came in October, early October, that article did, where it mentioned about AJ, you know, putting his foot in a lot of different things. And it did mention, obviously, Jace Tingler and all that. Maybe another one will come out, or Kevin AC will write something about that. And maybe that is part of the reason why the Padres aren't having success. But I think at the end of the day, it's sometimes a lack of fight, right? Quitting during games, like it's been admitted by people in that clubhouse. The lack of urgency early on in the season and guys just simply not doing their job to the level of expectation this season. There's been a lot of underwhelming performances from guys in this organization. Brent says, every one of AJ's moves at the deadline has been a disaster, excuse me, not a disaster, a disaster so far. Yeah, Barlow hasn't worked out great. Choi, Cooper, how many hits combined do they have? Not very many. And Rich Hill, he's given up, what, nine runs in his two starts? And he hasn't been able to get through four innings, I don't think, in either of those two outings. So, yeah, pretty bad. I'm just glad that they didn't, you know, go trade Jackson Merrill or something at this deadline and think that whoever they were going to get back was going to change their whole season and flip their whole season around. I still wish that Snell and Hayter were going, should have been dealt. I, I, I wish that they were dealt before the deadline. I had that thought and I still have that thought. And that thought is only looking better based on how the team is playing now. Um, I'm just glad that they really didn't try to go save the season by making some huge move. And they just instead made moves on the margins. But obviously those moves still have not worked out. Shady's third. I, th I think he's joking with this, but he asked, was Martinez tipping his pitches? Yeah, was Lugo tipping his pitches? Hope not. We know Zach Gallon wasn't tipping his pitches because he pretty much dominated the Padres. Is that right? I'm seeing on social media here. David replied to one of my social media repo uh, posts here on, from, on X, is I guess what it is now, but Twitter. David says... Six and 22 in one run games. Is this Melvin, our lack of consistent offense, the roster construction? I think that can be attributed to all of that, all of those three. I'd say Melvin, the least amount, lack of consistent offense and roster construction. I would probably put those two at the top over Bob Melvin. Bob Melvin can only deal with the guys that are on the roster. You know, he could have Gary or Campy go DH instead of. G-Man Choi or Garrett Cooper. So I'll put some of it on him. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a lack of consistent offense, I would say. Yeah, Bob Nightingale's rep uh, not reporting. He's pointing out, uh, Manny called today's game do or die. He said that yesterday. And so did they die? How many times have they died this season? Hasn't Manny said it's like a must-win game? Got to win the next game. Got to win tomorrow. Hasn't he said that multiple times this season? So what's their record in those do-or-die, must-win games? Is the season over now because it's a do it was a do-or-die game and now they lost? Is the season over? I think a lot of the fan base thinks it is. So maybe he shouldn't say it's a do-or-die game if it's truly not a do-or-die game. 
Um, I know the urgency is there with, with someone like Manny. I mean, he popped out in the ninth inning, and he was obviously cussing at himself. So, yeah, there's there's people in this clubhouse that care. Um, but it kind of like I mentioned earlier, it feels like the urgency wasn't there. In fact, the urgency wasn't there from the get-go. And I think that's what has partly hurt this team this season. Okay, going through the chat still. Chad says, I wish this fan base realized that these players are essentially giving all us fans the middle finger by not putting their differences aside and playing winning baseball. Yeah, but I don't know how much I believe like the clubhouse hates each other. Is that, you know, okay, their differences aside, what, what does that mean? Is it guys not wanting to hit in certain spots in the order? Is it guys not liking each other in the clubhouse? Is there some guys that really care about winning and some guys that don't? Like, what are, what are the differences? Is it all of those things? Because at the end of the day, I mean, you know going into the season, most of these guys were in, on the roster going into the season. So you had the World Series expectations. So I assume you, those that joined the team this year, you wanted to join the team because of the World Series expectations. You wanted to go win the whole thing. And you thought that this roster had a good chance of doing that. So shouldn't you have that mentality like, okay, let's try our best to go get into the postseason so we can go do that? So I think that guys would be putting differences, whatever differences they had, they would be putting those differences aside. But maybe not. I mean, I, I want to attribute this, you know, Matt made good points on, the, on my, uh, not my last show, but the show before that. I think it was on Friday before that D-backs Padres opener. And I was talking about how, yeah, this team better start playing like a team. And Matt was like, well, and I'm saying Matt Lee. He, he's a viewer of the show. He came on, and for those that missed that show. And he was talking about how, so there's some guys playing like a team, some guys not. There's, is, is it just, I think it's just more underperforming players is kind of the point that he had. And there's, he could really point to like one guy that really wasn't playing, maybe not playing like a team, or playing as a team player, I should say. And that was Josh Hader. Like, Blake Snell, okay, he has a contract coming up at the end of the year, but he's pitching his butt off. So is he pitching just for his contract? Or is he, so he's not being a team player because he's pitching for his contract? But he's helping the team as well. So isn't that being a team player? You know, so it's hard for me to go out certain guys I think it's just easy for us to throw it out there as them not playing as a team when things aren't going well, when they have a losing record and they're playing bad baseball and the results just aren't there recently. And they haven't been there record-wise since like May. I think that's the last time they were over 500. So it's, it, yeah, it's easy, I think, for us fans to, to say that. Like, put the differences aside. Start playing like a team. And yeah, I've said that in the past this year. But what is that really true that they're not playing like a team? Sure. There's there's quotes that like they've quit in some games, right? And so, yeah, okay, that's maybe not playing like a team, being a team player. I can get that. But are they quitting every game? Did they quit today? Or did Nick Martinez just not make a good pitch? And 
did they quit yesterday? Or was it Zach Gallon pitched well and the offense just didn't do their job? Like they're trying, just didn't do their job good enough, you know? Uh, AB says, your mic sounds a little muffled. Okay, hopefully it's a little bit better now. Jonah says, FYI, Dodgers keep winning. I, I don't care about the Dodgers right now. That's That's gone. The NL West thing there, that's gone. So I don't care that they keep winning. Good for them. I don't care. I care about what the Padres do day in and day out because they're going to have to win to get into the postseason. And then obviously I care about what the other teams do ahead of them and the other teams that are fighting for a wild card spot. What are they doing? That's what I care about. So yeah, let, let's, let's not worry about the Dodgers. Uh, just continuing to go through the chat here. Dylan says this team has ruined my life. I hope not. If it's ruined your life, then I hope that you go take a walk or something. Find find another passion uh, because I, I have a feeling it's not going to end well this season. Yeah, James says, Rich Hill hates being a Padre. He wished he was still a Dodger. Did anyone see those comments that he made to Bob Nightingale, I think it was? Bob Nightingale comes out with his Sunday notebook. And he was talking about how the Dodgers, like why the Dodgers have this like su sustained success. Let me find it here. Um, here it is. So this is Rich Hill. He says, it's just amazing what they do. Says veteran Padres starter Rich Hill, who pitched three and a half years for the Dodgers. They identify what guys do well and have them do what they do best. They have just have the ability of opening players' minds to a little bit of creativity. Sometimes we get shoeboxed in certain ways of doing things, whether a hitter or a pitcher, but they do a really good job identifying what guys can do to expand their weapons. It's just amazing what they do, Rich Hill's saying. Like, so it seems like he loved his time with the Dodgers. I, I mean, Rich Hill's, what, 43? Dodgers probably extended his career. Here's Rich Hill continued. Really, it starts with the top, and it's the culture. They create a culture for guys and identify stuff that other teams couldn't see in players. The culture is there, and it's real. It's not like 26 different islands. Everybody is on the same one. It's pretty cool to see. It's pretty cool to see. It, it's like he's talking like a, a fan or something, like a Dodgers fan. Like The culture is great, man. It, it's pretty cool to see. Everybody's not on different islands. Is that the case with the Padres? I think, I don't think everyone... 
probably everyone in the same in that clubhouse, definitely at, at points this season, everyone in that clubhouse has not been on the same island in terms of doing whatever it takes to go win that game. Right? There's been admitting to quitting. You're not on all. You're not all on that same island. Everyone in that clubhouse is not on the same island of I'm quitting in this game. But also at the same time, that means that everyone's not on the same island of I'm going to do whatever it takes to win this game, right? And so it seems like the Dodgers, like they're play, they they like to develop guys with their strengths. Of course, you can get better at your weaknesses, but identify what guys do well and strength, like play to your strengths, I feel like is what the Dodgers do. Um, identify what guys do well and have them what have them do what they do best. Rich Hill saying, is that what the Padres do? Do they do that enough? Right. I point to, I was thinking about this earlier when I first saw that quote this morning and I'm thinking about Jake Cronenworth. What does he do best? Go the opposite way, take the ball where it's pitched, short, compact swing. He's not this big power guy, right? Is it Cronenworth that tried to do this or was it someone in the Padres organization that wanted Cronenworth to develop maybe a little bit of a different swing? Feels like a longer swing at points this season. More of an uppercut swing. Is that on Cronenworth or is that on the Padres, guys in the front office, the coaching staff of not playing to Crony's strengths and instead trying to put, you know, make him be this typical power hitting first baseman when that's not who he is. You know, little things like that where it's like, okay, if the Dodgers do that long enough with a bunch of guys and the Padres don't do that, maybe that's part of the reason why the Dodgers are seeing more success than the Padres are year in and year out. And when the Padres face off against the Dodgers in the regular season, you see the Dodgers win most of those games. All right, I'll go through the rest of the chat here. Um, just Again, I can't get to every comment because there's a ton of comments in here. If you want to make sure I get to your comment, your question, you can use that Super Chat button and you move to the front of the line. Uh, so I'm just scanning through the comments here. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, Charmaine says, I don't see it happening. Probably about the Padres making the postseason. Oh no no! This was this was when I asked earlier. This was when I uh, asked about. Do you think the Padres will get over 500 this year? I said for anyone that's just joining, I said I think they barely do, but it's not going to be good enough for them to go make the postseason. Charmaine says I don't see it happening. Neil says no. Chad over 500. How? They're not going to get over 500 playing this baseball for sure. Irie says, this season's over. Let's talk 2024 Padres. Jesus says, Dodgers won eight games in a row. I don't care. I don't care what, about what the Dodgers are doing. It means nothing to the Padres right now. It means nothing. Unless you want to talk like bigger picture why the Dodgers are continue, continuing to be good while the Padres aren't, you can do that. But in terms of division and all that, no. Doesn't matter. Don't care. I was hoping to care. Going into the season, I was hoping to care about what the Dodgers were doing because I was hoping the Padres were going to be battling for the NOS title with the Dodgers, but seemed like an idiot for thinking that, huh? Devin Ash, you can't record with your phone. Feel like your phone provides better video quality. Uh, but on my phone, it's really hard to go through the chat because my phone's smaller and it's hard to navigate to different things that I have for the show. So the, the computer is, it's, it's better when I'm doing the show for pregame, postgame reactions where I'm just giving my reaction. Um, I'm not going on, I'm not doing an hour plus show on it. Then I do my phone or my iPad, but here it's better for me to do it on a laptop, on a computer. Yeah, um, do you guys, I'm seeing a comment here about me being slow reading the chat. That's because I usually just talk about what I want to get off my chest, and then I go through the chat. Um, I think, I mean, I, I can change that if you want me to. I can maybe talk about one of the games in the series, and then go through the chat, talk about another game, go through the chat, try to go through the chat as I'm talking in the show. I could try to do that. Uh, I just feel like, in respect to you guys, I don't want to miss like relevant 
comments, so I go through it at the end, but I can change that. And I'm planning on doing more consistent live streams, not just series reactions, but hopefully some, I'll do like a post-game reaction after a game. And then maybe in the morning, do a show like this. And so more frequent interactions with uh, on live streams here with, with Padres fans. If you guys are up for that, I think I can do that. Um, let's see. Continuing to go through the chat here. Chad says, this team is a horror show. It's almost like Siler who was so hot on slaying the dragon last year that he lost all common sense. Well, to be fair, they did slay the dragon in the postseason. Now, they got to do it consistently. <laughs> that would make us much more happy, right? But they did slay the dragon in the postseason when it mattered the most last year. So, got to give the Padres credit for that. But for this year, we don't care about that, right? They didn't win the World Series. It's a great memory. But that's not going to make us happy for the rest of our lives. Right? If they don't win a World Series, bottom line, they didn't win a World Series. Molokai says, I don't think they should fire Bowmel, but look at the Phillies. A current manager can lead a team differently. So you're talking about how the Phillies, they fired Joe Girardi last year. Rob Thompson, who was the bench coach, I believe, took over, and then they end up going to the World Series. Okay, you can bring up that case, but do we think that Bob Melvin is that big of a problem that if Mike Schilt stepped in, or Ryan Christensen, or Ryan Flaherty, or Mike um, Matt Williams... If one of them stepped in and was the manager, that would that would be the huge difference. I don't buy that. And if Bomel goes, maybe that's what they end up doing. But then they should just let Bomel go now, right? Don't waste his time on this. David says, do or die means must win. Do you get it now? I get what must win means and like urgency. Yes, you need must wins. Uh, like, or you need wins, excuse me, when you say must win. I get it. And yes, they do need to win more games than they lose, obviously. They need to win mo way more games than games that they lose. I understand that. But technically, they're not must win games. It definitely feels like it. And so I will continue to say it feels like a must win game today. Tomorrow feels like a must win game. But it's not truly, exactly, actually a must-win game until they need to win that game or else they're going to be eliminated from a postseason spot. Yes, I'm going Mr. Mr. Literal Man, Mr. Captain Obvious. That's, that's all I'm saying. JD's Third says, The clubhouse thinks Manny is a joke and a clown. I, I disagree with that. 
Mike asks, how do you feel about all these long-term contracts now? It's a death sentence for this club, but AJ will march on and on ahead. I mean, I like the Manning long-term contract because, and I, I got to look at it. Maybe some fans won't, and they're going to look at it in hindsight, but I'm going to look at that contract at the time, and I was super excited about it. They got the deal done. He was just coming off a year where I thought he should have won the MVP. He was tremendous. And best third baseman in baseball entering this season, probably. At least for me. And I know I'm biased, but that's just my opinion. And yes, he's had a down year. Underwhelming year. He had uh, the injury, right? Got hit by a pitch. And he was even he was bad before that. Like After this season, he will say, should have been better. No excuses. Hopefully that's what he says. But I was fine with that contract. Jake Cronenworth, we're going to look at that contract and hopefully we're going to look at it in a few years here and be like, wow, that was actually a pretty team-friendly contract. Because of the other contracts some other guys are going to get. Because the price tag keeps going up in free agency. Don't know if anyone realizes that, but the price tag continues to rise every offseason is what it feels like. So they get Cronoworth locked up. And again, this was pretty much on opening day when this deal was done. And he was coming off of having another all-star season and being big in the postseason for them. So, I mean, of course, if we were anticipating him to have a bad season like this, then maybe we would have said, yeah, maybe hold off on that deal. But less than a season into this contract, actually the contract I think starts next year, I'm not going to crap on the contract less than a year in after him signing the deal just not going to do it. I, I, I want a bigger sample size before I do that. And Xander Bogarts, it's kind of the same thing. I can say, yeah, he's had an underwhelming year. But he was really good before he got hurt. Didn't play well with the wrist, which it's expected. Hard to be very impactful offensively when you have a hurt wrist. And once he got the cortisone shot, his numbers have been better. Now the RBIs, it's still not there. And that needs to be better. But the numbers since that, getting the cortisone shot, it's been better. And his defense, I think, has been pretty solid this year. Should they have not given Bogarts the contract and gave it to three or four different players and brought in an actual power-hitting first baseman? You can make that case. Sure. You know, maybe they could have had that money to extend Hassan Kim. But were they expecting Hassan Kim to have this great of a season, you know? So, yeah, I'm trying to look at it from the fan perspective, but also from the front office perspective as well. What were they thinking at the time? Is it understandable what they did at the time? Um, but, yeah, in terms of the death sentence for the club, I don't think it's a death sentence, but it's, it's definitely going to hold the club back for sure because these guys aren't going to get any younger, and it's putting a lot of pressure on the farm system coming up, the prospects coming up. They better perform. They better be impactful because if they don't, it's not like they're going to be able to spend a bunch of money on guys that can come and help this team, you know? And who knows if they bring back Soto and maybe we'll look back and be like, well, if they didn't bring in Bogarts, they would have been able to bring back Soto. But who knows? Seidler has said in the past he's not scared of $500 million offering Soto $500 million. So we'll see what happens there.
Continuing to go through the chat. Dodgers could fix Carpenter. <laughs> Probably. I mean, they do it to everyone, right? Jason Hayward, isn't he out? He out he's having a good year. Best season since 2016. I'm seeing that in the chat. Is that right? Not surprising. Isn't David Peralta doing pretty well? Tons of comments. Sorry, guys. Can't get to all of you. Just trying to find any that stick out. Charmaine says, I was saying Bob should stay earlier in the season, but I almost feel like the change is needed for 2024. Why? Because is, do you think the clubhouse isn't bought in? I don't know if I buy the change being needed. Because I don't think Bob is the main problem. I think the change, if the Padres miss the postseason, the change that should happen is probably A.J. Preller being gone. That's the change. Now, would Bob Melvin go as well? Because a new GM, new president of baseball ops, would want to come in and hire his own new guys and all that? Maybe. If he goes then, then I guess that, you know, I'm more understanding of that. But at the same time, it's like, okay, Bob Melvin goes. Who are you bringing in that's better? Right? And especially if Preller stays and Melvin goes, who wants to come be a manager under A.J. Preller? Who wants to do that? If Bob was like, I'm out of here. If, if it's a mutual parting of ways or Bob retires or whatever, other managers, especially vet managers, are going to look at that and be like, if Bob couldn't handle this, why do I want to go there? Why, why do I want to go to that S show? Which it might be that behind the scenes we don't know right it might be that because there have been some things out there that like bob aj they don't they're, they're, they don't really see eye to eye they're not really on the same page which it's not surprising maybe bob melvin looked at the job and was like tatis manny soto hater well no not it wasn't hater was on the team soto wasn't on the team at the time but you get what i'm saying like wow manny and tatis and cronenworth you know, this talent, Musgrove and Darvish and on and on. It's like, we got a chance to go win this thing. It's a better situation than the Oakland A's. Sure, maybe some have told me, yeah, AJ might be a little bit rough to deal with. He's going to give his thoughts and he's going to want to be involved. But Melvin was probably like, it's okay. If I go win the whole thing, I can deal with that. If we can contend, I can deal with that. But they're not, it doesn't seem like they're going to go make the postseason. So, He's in the same spot as he was with the Oakland A's in terms of not making the postseason. So does he want to continue doing this with AJ? And does AJ want him? Like, There's a lot of questions that will come at the end of this season for sure. Okay, I'll get back to the chat to end this, but I did want to get to some San Diego sports here. Mainly the San Diego Loyal because the San Diego Wave were off 
they their next match is next weekend. Gotham comes into town, and they will have back their U.S. Women's National Team players. So that should be a tough match for the Wave. But the good thing for the Wave is they get Morgan, Gurma, Jakobsen, and Van Eggman. Probably not because they're still alive in the World Cup. But they'll get Sheridan back. They'll get Gurma. They'll get Morgan. So that's good. Uh, but that's next weekend. As for the Loyal, they played this weekend against Memphis. It was last night, and they ended up losing 1-0. Joe Corona, first half, he had a penalty shot. He had the opportunity there to, I believe, take the lead, but couldn't do it. They had There was another shot in the first half as well. Couldn't get that through. And then Memphis was able to score in the 23rd minute. Rodrigo DaCosta on a rebound. That made it 1-0, and so the San Diego Loyal, it, I think it was a, a painful loss for sure because there were opportunities to at least draw. Now, I'm not saying like late, but early, if they would have cashed in on some of those opportunities or one of those opportunities, they could have come away with the point. Um, and they're going to continue to play at home. Their next match is next Saturday at 6.30 against New Mexico United. Um, but I thought I think that they've been playing better. You know, you, you you go to the regular season all the way back since the Indy draw, the disappointing draw there, right? They beat Hartford. They beat Colorado Springs. I'm not counting the Dortmund friendly because they hung in there. And then the second half, there was a lot of substitutions because they were playing later that week on, on Sunday. Um, they beat Colorado again. They lose to Orange County, but then they come back and they get a 2-1 win on Wednesday, but the loss here. So hopefully this doesn't start a string of, of worse play for the Loyal, and they'll be able to rebound with a win coming up this weekend. Just a couple missed opportunities for sure that I saw. Um, and now the Loyal, they are in fourth place in the Western Conference. Oakland sits in third, San Antonio's in second, Sacramento's in first. They definitely have a lead there, uh, and San Diego is two points clear of Orange County. They're at 36 points, 10 wins, six draws, seven losses so far on the year for the San Diego Loyal uh, in the regular season. So that's the main San Diego sports topic that I wanted to hit on. Uh, going back to the rest of the chat here to end this episode, I will do that after this break. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's Underdog Fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pick'up games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. 
After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right, I'm seeing in the chat here, some people were talking about the team meeting that happened on Wednesday. After the Padres obviously lost that second game to the Mariners, they that was the second game of this road trip. And they ended up going obviously one and four. Yeah, one and four on the road trip, one and five in their last six games. And the team meeting worked for the first game. And obviously that was that team meeting was shortly before Soto came out with the quote about. Uh, the team literally quitting instead of continuing to grind and continuing to push. And that obviously pissed off Padres fans as it should have. Don't know what was said in the team meeting, obviously. Obviously, I, I think that the message should have been, we got to play with more urgency. We can't stop quitting. Or excuse me, we should stop quitting. No, please stop quitting. We can't keep quitting over and over and over again. We've got to keep grinding. Do you want to be in the postseason? Isn't this what we play for? Do you want to let down fans? I don't know if fans were brought up, but I hope they were to inspire some of the Padres players. What if you were a fan spending a bunch of money sitting in those seats at Petco Park and you're spending money on a team that is quitting? How would you feel? So... I think that probably should have been the message there in that team meeting. And again, I think it was convenient to have a team meeting right before you're facing a team that I think had lost eight or nine games in a row entering this series. And so you score a ton of runs. It's like, oh, team meeting worked. But the team, team meetings, I feel like they can get overblown. Like What matters most is obviously what happens on the field. And what happened on the field this weekend? Padres losing two out of three. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What happened on the field is not good. Not good enough. And they can't do this. They can't waste opportunities. They can't keep doing this very much longer. And it's going to be tough now because, again, like I said earlier, it's not like it's the Royals or the A's coming into town. And again, who knows how they would do against those teams. They've they play the A's in September in Oakland, so we'll see how that goes. We'll see where they are at that point in time. But they're playing the Baltimore Orioles here, who are the best team in the American League. It's not going to be an easy series. So it's up to the Padres. Are they going to perform well against the starting pitching for the Baltimore Orioles? What if they're down late and they have to face Felix Bautista? Are they going to lay down? Or are they going to grind out those at-bats and score a run off of him to tie the game up and push it to extras or 
score a run to go win the game. Like, what's going to happen? I'm curious to see what's going to happen there. And obviously, after the Baltimore series, facing Arizona, facing Miami, two teams ahead of them, they got to win those games. Those games are super important. So it's going to be an interesting homestand for sure. All right, any more comments here that I want to bring up? Let's see. Iris says Juan Soto is still young. He could sign a three-year deal or an extension and still be in his 20s to get that big one but I don't think he's worth 500 mil. Well, I don't think that's the thing. Like Us fans, and I understand that, is he worth X? Is he worth $500 million? But if the Padres want Juan Soto, it's not really about what do they think he's worth. If you really want Juan Soto, it's what do we have to pay him for him to come back to the Padres in free agency? Because if there's the New York Mets who have said that they're aiming to go, to go try to win 2025, 2026. What if they're willing to give him $500 million? And you're not. Or, you, or maybe you're willing to, but you don't think he's worth that, right? Then it comes down to, are you willing to give him what you think he's not worth? You're willing to give him more than what you think he's worth, right? Because in free agency, a lot of these things go down to the highest bidder. Not all of them. But it feels like with Boris Soto, it feels like it's going to go to the highest bidder, especially if they're a contender. So I think the main question is, are the Padres willing to give Juan Soto what he wants? That's the big thing here. All right, that's going to do it. Talking Friars episode 444. Thank you so much for tuning in on the podcast platforms, on YouTube. For the YouTube audience, hopefully you enjoyed the better visual, uh, better, what do they call it? Um, I don't know what they call it. HD, HD camera. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, I'll, I'm trying to do the, I'm going to try to do these live shows a little bit more often here. So again, thank you all for joining and I hope to catch you next time. See you then.